Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. It's Mr. Encore. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Crew. Yeah. Check. Fantasy, sports, and politics. Ain't no other talk show hot as this. Cover every sport and we get it all right. Log on the site, you can listen tonight. Talk about the game, who in first place. You can even call up, state your own case. Football, b-ball, soccer too. Log on, ain't nobody stopping you. It's fantasy, sports, and politics crew. Yeah, come on. Fantasy, sports, and politics crew. Yeah. Fantasy, sports, and politics crew. Hello everyone and welcome once again to It's That Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and I am JT and this is the FSP Cruise Show. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. I say that again. 637, excuse me, 347-637-3220 is the place to be if you want to talk to JT, and you know that would be me. It's a great show in store for you today. We're going to be talking quite naturally, like we always do, about the NFL. Talking about the um, NBA playoffs, how interesting Oh, not interesting it has been and where some teams stand um, it looks like it's an inevitable class of uh, a, 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 a three-peat meaning the um, two teams that are undefeated right now look like they're on the course to meet each other in the finals but you never know and um, let's talk also about some um Baseball, controversial things going on in baseball, and I'll be talking about that. We're sitting here for a whole hour, and um, let's get the show on the road. All right, let's talk about football first. All right, Um, the teams are drafted. They're opening up, various teams have been opening up rookie camps to get their um, newly drafted players uh, familiar with the way they do things in the NFL and, and in particular the way their their respective teams do things. So then it's not that much of a, a, a real big culture shock, quite naturally, when they get with the veterans. Uh, things are going to happen a lot quicker. So this is like a prep school before you go. You actually go to this is like junior college before you actually get into college. Let me put it that way. Preliminary test before you get actually take the test. I gave you a few examples, but that's how that's what it basically is. Rookie camp for these guys that to not look um, that that much more stupid or not knowing simple things that the veterans that have been in the league um, for the past few years or so know already. It's a good thing, quite naturally. I mean, you got guys that uh, um, um, all different walks of life, all different skill sets, um, and it also gives a chance for the um, undrafted players to, to highlight themselves maybe stand out before they actually go to a um, off-training program and then on maybe on on into training camp um, to see what kind of potential they have. So it helps them transition from, quite naturally, from college into pro, pro life. And uh, try not to destroy their confidence too soon because, you know, it doesn't make a difference where you get drafted, really. I mean, monetarily-wise, it does. 
definitely monetarily wise. But whether you're the last pick in the draft or the first pick in the draft, you still got to prove yourself on the field. Still have to prove yourself on the field. Now, the first pick on the draft in the draft may get a little bit more leeway versus the last pick, but you still have to prove yourself on the field without a shadow of a doubt. And if you don't, if, you, if you're the first pick, you get, like I said, you get a little more leeway. leeway. Um, you may not start right away because the team may feel you're not ready. But that seventh pick, he's bye-bye. If he doesn't show t- some type of p- potential, one, one, one thing is um, and, and teams make mistakes all the time. But one, one reason why he got drafted in, this, in the last round, maybe the last pick, because teams put him there. Thought he wasn't worth that pick. Now you got Tom Brady, you got Russell Wilson. They didn't go in the seventh, but the, Tom Brady in the sixth, Russell Wilson in the fourth. Dak Prescott in the fourth, Russell Wilson in the third, whatever. Thought they had that type of potential. Proved, proved otherwise. One's, one's destined to be a Hall of Famer. One's been to two Super Bowls, one one. The other one, um, unseated, a established veteran in Tony Romo and pushed him, pushed him, basically pushed him to the broadcast booth because of the way he balled out last season. So it really doesn't make a difference whether you're the first pick in the draft or the last pick in the draft. If you show that you belong, if you show that you have what it takes to to be on a roster and actually contribute to the team, then you will do that. You You will contribute to a team. But you've got to have the opportunity. And when, opportun- when opportunity rises, you've got to take advantage of it. Let's bring my esteemed co-host in here, guy from a uh, fellow Jersey guy. Um, he's always, uh, um, always got a, a, a thought or two that he wants to put into the conversation. So I'll bring Jeff the Joker on and welcome him to the show. What's up, my man? Hey, Jerry. How are you doing tonight? All right. Well, I'm, I'm, if if you caught my conversation, I was talking about um, rookie camps and um, including undrafted players getting a shot, getting indoctr- indoctrinated into the lifestyle and life playing, I guess, or, or playing style of their respective teams and the NFL um, way of doing things. Um, and that they have the opportunity, and it doesn't make a difference whether you're the first pick or the last pick. They have the opportunity. Quite naturally, the higher you pick, the more advantage you have. But if you if you have the skill set or show it, and it attracts the attention of the coaches, whether it's your position coach or the head coach, or whoever, it doesn't make a difference where you get drafted. That that only has to do with your your your, um, your pocketbook. You got if you got it, what it takes, you they'll put you on a squad somewhere. What's your thoughts? Yeah, you know, um, you're right about that. And you were talking about quarterbacks before, and you know, there are gems like Brady found in the sixth round, but mm-hmm. a very high percentage. NFL quarter starting quarterbacks were first round, a lot of them early first round, and that's why this year three teams traded up to get um, quarterbacks in the first round. And I'll tell you, you know, it's easy to think about the changes and the things you don't like. But one thing I like about the current, uh, you know, system in the NFL is it really cut down on the number of rookie holdouts so um, I used to hate that. I mean, you still – I guess there was uh, Joey Bosa held out not that long ago. But you don't see that like you used to. There used to be a lot of rookie holdouts. And then they'd get to camp left. They didn't know what they were doing. They'd end up in the doghouse. And then they'd end up getting hurt or something. 
and, and so many guys it seemed had wasted rookie seasons. And, and and also what's good is now with the current um with the CBA with the way the uh the salary is uh structured, the more the money's going to the veterans and there's uh you know the rookies aren't getting the eighty million dollar contracts anymore. Believe me, they're still getting paid, but not ridiculous money. Uh, it, you know, it's better to see the money go to the veterans, guys who've actually done something. So, uh, but the thing is, the rookies don't get as much, uh, you know, time in the mini camps and the OTAs like they used to. Um, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't think they still have a lot of hazing. And, and uh, you know, some people say it's because now. You know, it's a business, and they expect these uh, rookie draft picks to all contribute right away. No messing around. Well, that's true. And uh, um, the guys that, that got drafted in the first round, excluding the um, quarterbacks, because I don't think any of these quarterbacks are going to start um, at, right, right now. Uh, you have to see how they play out. In OTAs and then quite naturally into training camp. Um, rookie camp is just basically getting your your feet wet, um, and, and that's basically what it is. So um, I wouldn't put too much credence in that. But OTAs and and definitely training camp is where these guys are going to um, determine, or it's going to be determined whether these guys um, are starter-worthy or as they were projected when they got drafted to be sitting uh, for a year or two and to develop behind a uh, veteran or whoever is the uh, caretaker and then take over when uh, the coaching staff, whoever it may be, deemed deemed, um, them ready. Um, But out of all the four quarterbacks that were drafted – in the first two rounds that that were notable, let me put it that way. Uh, three in the first round, one in the second round. Um, that could have been in, in in the first round, but it turns out he got he got drafted in the second round. And in in the order that they were drafted, Mitchell Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Deshaun Kaiser. Who do you think out of those guys will? Um, Hit the field at a starter first. Mm, you know, some of that, you know, is uh, based on opportunity. If somebody uh, ahead of them on the depth chart gets hurt, you know. Um, so that's hard to predict. It, and also it depends on the team situation. I mean, uh, Houston aspires to the playoffs. Um, Cleveland is more of uh, in a rebuilding situation. And uh, probably because of that, you know, they're maybe more likely to put in uh, the rookie, you know. Okay. Well, I, I saw an article. I don't know if you saw it. I forget where I saw it at. Um, it doesn't make a difference. Um, that Vegas odds came out in win-loss uh, in Vegas. And there's two teams that Vegas predicts not winning any games this year based on based on based on the personnel in the team and i gather based on the schedule that they have they um, pr- um project that they won't win any games they'll be winless two teams um i know who the two teams are can you guess them um <laughs> that's a good one um well the jets is that uh, one of them? No, no, it's not. But the Jets are oh. probably uh, the Jets are um, on the edge. Let me put it that way. I think they project the Jets to win two or three games. But uh, um, one of the opponents the Jets play, if I'm not mistaken, um, is one of the teams. Well, well, that, and that's one of the things. And there's a lot of parity in the NFL. And there's only been two teams to go winless, and only one team in, with the 16 game schedule. Um, the Rams? Ding, 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 ding. That's one of them. Uh, and um, trying to think of another bad team. Uh, uh, not Cleveland. I mean, everybody's always lumping ding, up ding, on ding, Cleveland. Ding, 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 ding. Cleveland, yes. 
Yes. The Cleveland Browns. Yeah, Vegas is slacking. Vegas, I know they have a little. They got to embrace fantasy football because they, they, they can get a lot of action on fantasy bets. I, 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 I hear you, Jeff. Um, and um, Vegas also said, I mean, I'm trying to think. I just lost my train of thought. Um, Vegas also said that uh, um, I lost it. I, that quick, I lost it. Anyway. Um yeah, they they uh predicted that the um the Cleveland Browns and the Rams are gonna go winless this this uh, uh season. Now I, 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 I don't see that happen. I, I see them at least winning two or three games um each, not not combined, um and uh closely but followed behind the Jets who are probably in that same ilk. Let me put it that way, uh, to, to lack of a better word. But, but speaking of the Browns, another thing about the Cleveland Browns that, that news came out, a long anticipated thought. I thought he was going to be reinstated, but uh, um, Josh Gordon uh, had applied for a reinstatement um, some some time in early March to to uh, get back into the. Um, Whatever team, uh, to, but get get back into the NFL. And the um, NFL, in, in their inf, in their in, in infinite wisdom, decides to do this. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. We've got our NFL guys here, Herm Edwards and Field Yates, on some news about Josh Gordon, who hasn't played in the league since 2014. And news just in that his uh, his reinstatement application has been denied. Right. What, what do you know about this? Right. This was actually submitted back on March 1st, David. It has been denied by the NFL. Now, we don't know the specifics as to why the NFL denied the reinstatement application. It can be for a variety of factors. Reinstatement could be contingent upon showing you have been entered in a treatment program, whatever it might be. Now, we know that Josh Gordon submitted himself to a treatment facility last fall, so uh, the glimmer of hope that may have existed to see him on the field as soon as week one of this season, not currently still there. Herm, when you hear this news, obviously an incredibly talented player Very who just talented. has not been able to, not available to keep it together. To be quite honest, it's not available. And you know that if he gets reinstated, you as an organization have to say, okay, he's still a part of our organization, but you can't depend on him right now because He's shown in the past that uh, things go awry, and, and you're hoping he gets his life in order so he can play football and, and help your organization. But you know this as a coach. You come to your football team, you go, every day I walk in the building, he might not be here. Yep. That's what you're dealing with. Again, he hasn't played since 2014. He's run afoul of the league's substance abuse policy and now denied reinstatement uh, again here by the league. Let's get into the LeGarrette Blunt situation. According to a league source, the Pats have have signed him to this May 9th tender something right. I, had you guys ever heard of this this tender <laughs> I had not it's very it's, rare let me ask you something here Jeff I'm going to play this again uh, unfortunately I, I couldn't stop it where it was but um I'm going to ask you about this this is a 5 minute clip I'm going to ask you about I should have told you before we I played it um every one of these subjects that that uh, they're going to cover over the last next 5 minutes uh Josh Gordon Garrett Blunt, and um, I'm trying to think who the other ones are. As they go on, I'll make, make a note, and then we'll talk about it once the clip ends. Welcome back to Coast to Coast. We've got our NFL guys here, Herm Edwards and Field Yates, on some news about Josh Gordon, who hasn't played in the league since 2014, and news just in that his, uh, his reinstatement application has been denied. Right. What, what do you know about this? Right. This was actually submitted back on March 1st, David. It has been denied by the NFL. Now, we don't know the specifics as to why the NFL denied the reinstatement application. It can be for a variety of factors. Reinstatement could be contingent upon showing you have been entered in a treatment program, whatever it might be. Now, we know that Josh Gordon submitted himself to a treatment facility last fall, so uh, the glimmer of hope that may have existed to see him on the field as soon as week one of this season, not currently still there. Herm, when you hear this news, obviously an incredibly talented player Very who just talented. has not been able to, not available to keep it together. To be quite honest, it's not available. And you know that if he gets reinstated, you as an organization have to say, okay, he's still a part of our organization, but you can't depend on him right now because He's shown in the past that uh, things go awry, and, and you're hoping he gets his life in order so he can play football and, and help your organization. But you know this as a coach. You come to your football team, you go, every day I walk in the building, 
Might not be here. Yep. That's what you're dealing with. Again, he hasn't played since 2014. He's run afoul of the league's substance abuse policy and now denied reinstatement uh, again here by the league. Let's get into the LeGarrette Blunt situation. According to a league source, the Pats have, have signed him to this May 9th tender. Something. Right. I, had you guys ever heard of this, this tender? <laughs> I had not. It's, it's very in, rare, David. Very rare. It's in now, the fine print. It's in the fine print. <laughs> what is this? It is technically called the unrestricted free agent tender. And what it means is that LeGarrette Blunt has been issued a tender. He has not yet signed it, but it carries a value of up to $2.1 million. It's $1.1 million in base salary mm -hmm. plus additional money via incentives. Now, if a team does not sign LeGarrette Blunt before July 22nd of this year, he has two options. Play for the Patriots or not play football at all next season. If a team signs in between now and July 22nd, it impacts not only their own compensatory pick formula, but also the Patriots. So if you're a team that might be interested in, let's say the Baltimore Ravens, for example, you're not only paying him, you're also risking losing a compensatory pick next year. So it's a double-barreled equation for a team that might have some interest. Okay, so that begs the question. If it's, it, it seems like it's a win-win for the Patriots. Absolutely. Why don't more teams use this, this tender? Here's the reason why. A player who receives this tender, it carries at 110% value of his pay from last year. So let's say another Patriots free agent who actually found the team yesterday, Michael Floyd, his base salary was worth $6 million. That tender, which applies to your salary cap, you got to have it on the books, would be worth you know, $6.5 or $6.6 .6 million. So there's a lot of financial implications involved. And a lot of times, David, players like the Garrett Blunt, who were great values last year, don't last this long unsigned. Yeah, and that's what I don't get, Herm. This guy had 18 touchdowns last year. Why is, why is his value so low? Well, yeah, it's interesting because I thought he'd be signed by now. Uh, and, and, and the value of what you have to pay the guy right now, I think he's making $1.1 I think a lot of the other salary uh, that he earns is in, in uh, incentives, incentives, right? Yep, right. So he's still sitting out there. This is surprising for all those teams. That, you know, and I understand it was a running back draft. Uh, he's getting a little long, long in the tooth now. As his A.C. he takes a lot of hits. He's, he's not a running back that dodges you. He's an inside guy with a lot of power, but he's still sitting out there. Okay. We'll, we'll watch the LeGarrette Blunt situation right now. The, the Patriots have a tender in on him, so he could be back in a Pats uniform against all odds. Let's get to the situation with the, the Cowboys linebacker Jalen Smith. We know he had this catastrophic knee injury in the yep. bowl game. Didn't play his rookie year. Nerve damage. And you, you never know when the nerves are going to fully regenerate. It doesn't sound like it's completely happened for Jalen Smith. But there's, there's optimism that he's, he's going to be taking part in, in mini camps and things like that for the Cowboys. What are you hearing around the league? So, so, David, he says he's going to be ready for week one of the 2017 regular season. I would just say this, that the Cowboys did not invest a second-round pick in Jalen Smith unless they're willing to take as long as it takes for him to be fully healthy. So it's really not worth putting a timetable on his return as of this point, when he hasn't put the pads on or taking place in 7-on-7, 11-on-11, seven, seven, 11, the most Im impactful practice drills that you will see from him. We will see. I have heard that patience remains to be the word. That is the word, patience. Don't worry about specifically the time. Worry about what the impact will be once he actually plays football. If, if you could get him uh, ready to go after week eight, you'd be pleasantly surprised. With the, with the severe injury this young guy had. So I, I think you know, we're all pulling for him because this guy was a marvelous football player. Yep. And in the system, he would be outstanding because he's a, he's a run, hit, go tackle guy. And Rod Marinelli likes not, not real big linebackers, but fast linebackers. You know, we have Lee there, Sean Lee, but he always seems to get hurt as well. So if he can get well by week eight, they might have something. You know, you know, a lot of injuries have a timetable on them. This one, you just never know if they're ever. If all right, um, there's a lot, not a lot in there, but there's enough in there that we can cover this, uh, Jeff. Um, first okay. of all, Je Josh Gordon, your thoughts on that? You know, I have a little sympathy for Josh Gordon. I mean, I guess the league is stuck with this archaic drug policy. The fact is, he didn't use steroids. Um, it's not like he, he's a real criminal. It's not like he abused women or children. I mean, what's the yep. big deal? You know what I'm yep. saying? I mean, yep. he, 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 paid the, he paid the price for, you know, smoking weed. I mean, it's stupid as anything, but it's not performance enhancing. He's not, you know, beating people up or anything. It's like, uh, but, you know, this is like uh, Goodell wants to be the, the dictator in the NFL. And uh, 
you know, I mean, I, I don't advocate marijuana, but it is legal in two states. And, uh, you know, a lot of these other states have decriminalized it. You know, it, it, I, I'm more worried about steroids. It's like, come on, give this guy a break. Uh, I, I, I don't even know why they test for marijuana. I guess because of public relation reasons, because, um, you know, uh, Goodell likes to pander to simpletons. I, I just don't get it now. Uh, I mean, Josh Gordon's obviously very talented, but, you know, it gets to the point where, you know, he's been two whole years away from football. He needs to play some football. I'm curious if he's considered playing in the Arena League. I don't think Canada accepts um, players suspended from the NFL anymore. They used to because Ricky Williams went up there when he was suspended from uh, the Dolphins. But I I, I think they – they no longer allow that. Now, um, LeGarrette Blunt, um, you know, I think I, I think the Giants are one of the teams interested in him, and they, they could use him. Um, I think one of the reasons he's still available is, um, you know, I mean, I don't want to go back to his college days, but he's had incidents in the NFL. I mean, yes, he's coming off a very good season with the Patriots. Belichick loves him because he's uh, – very sure-handed, almost never fumbles, which is very important, of course. You know, excellent, you know, short yardage and goal line guy. Also uh, a good way to get on your coach's good side. But he's had a couple of incidents in the NFL. There was, I think, I think uh, wasn't he in a car with Levy and Bell smoking pot, uh, and he got busted. That's correct. That's correct. Which, you know what, if you're going to toke up, don't do it while you're driving, you know. And I think the Steelers were pissed off because Bell was a rookie at the time, you know. And that's um, also correct. You know, way, way to show the you know show the rookie around, and um, um, and then there was the incident. Uh, I think Bell, for whatever reason, he left the game early, and uh, I, I still think he might have done that on purpose because. He got cut by the Steelers, and then, like, the next day got picked up by the Patriots. And I'm, I was wondering if maybe that was uh, – he did that on purpose. And because of that, you know, teams don't like guys like that. They don't want the distractions. I mean, he kind of seems like a jerk, you know. And, uh, you know, unless you're super-duper talented. Like, okay, like, let's say a guy with a lot, a ton of distractions uh, Terrell Owens, yeah, you know, he still stuck around the league for a long time. He cost himself a lot of money in the process because if he didn't have all those issues, he would have made a lot more money. Oh, well, he brought that poop on himself. Well, that's true. And um, what about uh, what was said there about uh, that young line linebacker, that Jalen Smith, who had uh, a severe knee injury uh, and with uh, nerve damage? And now it's looking uh, like uh, he's getting closer and closer, um, or it's highly anticipated that he may be getting closer uh, to seeing himself on the field after sitting for um, a season and uh, more than likely won't participate in uh, off, off, uh, off-season drill, drills or camp like OTAs or something like that. Probably not until uh, training camp for the Cowboys. Uh, hell of a talent. Um, don't know if he's ever going to get back to what he was before. Um, still waiting, I guess. It sounds like still waiting for that uh, nerve or nerves to fire in, um, in or around his leg or knee. Um, and uh, it's just a... Uh, long anticipating waiting process to see if this guy is going to get on the field and help the Cowboys. What's your thoughts on Jalen Smith? You know, my, my gut instinct is whenever I see an NFL team draft a guy who they know is not going to be physically ready to play right off the bat, it just thinks to me, you know, injuries are such a problem. Who wants a guy who's already damaged? But, um, you know, if the guy's that good and, you know, your doctors check him out, I guess it's worth taking, you know, taking a chance on. You know, you know what I don't get is once in a while there's a guy 
who could stick around, you know, who could redshirt a year and stay in college, and then they come out as damaged goods. Um, Willis McGahee did that. I, you know, I mean, yeah, he did work hard to rehab, but he could have done it at a much more natural and leisurely place if he, pace if he would have stayed in school. And then, you know, there was a bunch of guys in, um, you know, uh, college players who declared for the NFL draft and didn't get drafted. And, and I shake my head because, believe me, unless you're a first-rounder, maybe second-rounder, you, you shouldn't declare. I mean, it's not an exact science, but I think these guys, before they declare, there's consultants, you know, scouts or whoever, who tell them where they're most likely to be drafted. And I, I don't know if they have a provision. I think they try to do it in college that if a guy declares for the draft and doesn't get drafted, if he doesn't take money from an agent, most of them I think do, um, they they should let him back into college, you know. But I don't know if the teams still want him. But, you know, they, you know, I, I, I don't understand, like, because, uh, you know, some of these college guys who declare early, they don't get drafted. It's like, is college that bad? I mean, I went to college. I didn't always like it, but I wasn't stupid. It wasn't that bad. Son of a well, bitch. I'm sorry. I'm got, driving right now. <laughs> these guys got a um, visions of grandeur uh, and vision of making uh, a bunch of money for a sport they play, and they they, they take that leap of faith. Um, some of them get drafted quite naturally. They have seven rounds, 253 guys. Uh, or the other guys uh, who are undrafted free agents still have a shot and a dream, um, just like a walk-on in, in college to uh, latch on to a team and make an NFL career out of themselves. They may not be stars, but they're service, serviceable players making a very good salary uh, in, in the NFL. Um, there's a lot of obscure guys um, that have nice careers in the NFL either on special teams or being somebody's backup, whether, and it doesn't make a difference what position, but being a backup. Um, and you never hear about them unless they get on the field because of an injury. Um, but these guys, uh, year in and year out, are, are staples on the team, and some of them are glues on the team and, and uh, um, make a nice living for themselves. So these guys, like, that uh, think they have a shot, uh, take the chance, take a leap of faith, and uh, um, a calculated risk, I should say, because I'm pretty sure there's people out there that give them an idea of where they may be drafted or drafted at all. And as long as they're the cleaner you are without any issues, any domestic violence, drugs, violent assaults, any kind of criminal activity, the better, the better a chance that you do have getting drafted. If you're not a top talent, you need to have a clean bill, the bill of um, of life, I should say, not a health of life, um, to be a uh, draft eligible. Um, and then, quite naturally, tape don't tape don't lie. So you got to put good tape on, a good tape, um, good game tape, I should say. So supposedly Josh Gordon had been living with his um, business manager. Um, he's going through his third agent who terminated him. And that, that's, not, that's not good. When an agent, his most recent agent, terminated him about two weeks ago, um, that's not a good sign, which is his third agent since he's been in, in the league. Uh, and he had Drew Rosenhaus at one point as his agent. So, and I don't know what point of, in his career that he had, had Drew Rosenhaus, if he was his first agent, where he went through a whole bunch of stuff and um, hadn't matured up until the, now he's 26. Maybe he, maybe he's matured enough. Uh, we don't know. Now he's going to have to wait until the fall uh, to see uh, if the NFL will, back, uh, will admit him back into the league. Um, doesn't sound like he's gone to the Justin Blackman, uh, former wide receiver of the Jacksonville Jag- Jaguars uh, um, uh, category, but um, because you haven't heard about anything that um, he has done 
up until uh, well, recently, let me put it that way. Um, we know he was admitted into a uh, he admitted himself into a rehab earlier in the year <clears throat> before he got reinstated uh, when he was eligible. So I don't think the the NFL wants to go down that road again into the absolutely positively one ninety nine forty four one hundred percent sure that he's uh, um, worthy of coming back into the league. And just like you said, Jeff, um, he hasn't done anything, any kind of domestic issues. Um, no, no, besides just um, supposedly drug, maybe, uh, uh, I mean, pot and, and, and um, alcohol hasn't done anything, um, any, 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 kind, any other kind of drugs. And uh, there's guys in the league, that are playing right now or going to be playing that have done a far, uh, 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 far worse, but it is what it is. Um, and he, he did, he put it, he did it to himself and now he's got, he's serving the repercussions of that. And uh, I'm looking forward to, because I think he's a good guy. It's just the fact is um, he just, for whatever reason, can't get himself together. He, hopefully he gets himself together. Um, I also want to talk about another guy that hopefully he gets himself together. You and I both know this guy. Now, I'm going to set this up, Jeff, and tell me at the end, once I finish the story, if you know who I'm talking about. Okay. Here it is. I'm a pro, um, pro player. I'm not going to tell you what sport. Hopefully you can uh, figure out who, who I'm talking about. Um, I got a name in a big city, okay, um, and I'm, you know, I've been, uh, I've been a name in a big city for a while. Had a couple of major operations coming back from one. Um, haven't been pitching that well this this season, and uh, um, and my team is counting on me because we've always had some pitching problems. I'm due to come in on a non-pitching day. On Saturday, this past Saturday, don't show up. But I went out on Friday night and uh, party until wee hours in the morning. And on Saturday uh, morning, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, I played a full round of golf. But don't show up because it's a night game to the to, to my um, place of employment. Uh couple security guys from the team go to my place and apparently I'm not, I'm not in any shape to come to the stadium. And then the following day when I'm supposed to pitch, I show up. And what happens? The uh, general manager and the uh, manager say, go home. You're suspended for three games. And you go home in a tiff, and then I think through my agent, file a grievance because of what your team did to you in suspending you for not showing up. And this is not the first time, but enough is enough, and you are not a star pitcher like you think you are. And uh, you don't deserve to be uh, looked the other way to. Who am I talking about? Oh, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about Harvey. Hello. Hello. What's your thoughts on Matt Harvey and the whole scenario that I just laid out to you? Yeah, this guy's a clown. You know, I mean, this is a guy who should be trying to prove that he's worth some mega bucks contract. And believe me, you think other teams aren't noticing? Because he's not going to get that mega bucks contract from the Mets. Because the Mets are like uh, the Dollar Tree of uh, Major League Baseball. You know, um, you know, if you if if you play for the Mets and 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 you want uh you want a jacuzzi for your foot, you got to stick your foot in the toilet and flush. Okay, you know, because um, <laughs> uh, thank you. I'll be here all week because uh, <laughs> the, the Mets. Uh, they uh, they become the low-buzzer franchise after the uh, owners 
invested uh, too much of their personal fortune with uh, Bernard Maynoff, which which uh, which was very foolish. Uh, I don't know a lot about investing, but you never put all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, I, I have no pity for the guy, which it's funny because I've always wondered, you know, how much do starting pitchers need to be there when they're not starting? But you do have to get some work in between starts, and, you know, you got to show up and whatever. And believe me, I'm sure a lot of these guys, you know, if you're a starter, you know when you're going to pitch. And if you're not starting, I'm sure a lot of these guys are partying the night before, but this guy just really went off the rails. And uh, it pissed off the team. It pissed off the fans. But, you know, there's something serious going on with the Mets. I don't really follow baseball much, but I heard about um, uh, Familia. Uh, what are they saying? Like uh, a blood clot or something like that? Um, yes. Which, yes. which is very serious and um, made me think of uh, when I was a kid, J.R. Richard. Remember J.R. Richard? Absolutely. And to people who don't know, he was an excellent fastball pitcher for the Houston Astros. He was one of the best in the big leagues at the time. Um, and uh, he was a real big man, too, about 6'8". He looked more like a basketball player than a baseball player. Took him a few years to, you know, learn control. But once he did, he was a you know a top fastball pitcher. He was almost unhittable. And then uh, in 1980, um, he um, he was complaining of having a dead arm, you know, and stuff like that. And you know, people thought he was a bum. You know, I think he he had a reputation for being moody. That doesn't mean you're a bum. You know what I mean? I don't think he had a reputation for, you know, for uh, you know being a slacker or whatever, but, you know, he was complaining about having a dead arm. The team doctors couldn't find anything wrong with him. Uh, you know, uh, they were, you know, the joke was, you know, back then the big thing was who shot Jr. you know, the guy from uh, Dallas, the TV show, then it was who shot Jr.'s arm. And then they were saying that he was ticked off because the Astros signed Nolan Ryan and Ryan was making more money, you know, like everybody, is pooping all over poor J.R. Richard. And then he was uh, warming up before a game and boom, had a stroke. And, um, you know, fortunately he survived. I guess that's a good thing he had the stroke warming up, you know. But uh, that was the end of his major league career. Um, You know, I think he was able to live a normal life. Um, But, uh, you know, he he, – and he tried in the minors, and, uh, you know, his balance wasn't the same. Uh, his vision wasn't the same. Uh, he didn't have uh, good control. Uh, so he never made it back to the big leagues. But that's what's not in that major. It's uh, playing pro ball becomes secondary. Just, you know, living your life and hope, hopefully close to normal becomes primary. And then um, – he had some other problems after he, he gave up on uh, making it back to the big leagues. Uh, he, he got uh, ripped off financially. He was homeless for a while. I mean, uh, he, you know, he, he got his life back together, but you know, the, the people were so nasty and so judgmental about this guy who he had yep. something wrong with him. It just, the, you know, the doctors, I don't know what they were looking at. They couldn't diagnose it and he, he could have died in a, you know, I hope those people felt guilty as anything because, uh, you know, he wasn't a bum. He, he really did have something seriously wrong with him. Yeah, and uh, goes to show you, 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 you never know. You can't you can't uh, just assume. You know what the assume does uh, quite naturally, Jeff. And yeah. uh, um, people have a, a tendency to do that, and it makes a fool of them, makes a fool out of them if, if they uh, happen to be uh, – of the wrong assumption and um, so-called experts have a way of doing that. Um, and um, we'll see, have to wait and see what happens with um, Jalen Smith and, and guys like that. And, and, and also Matt Harvey, that's really a basic I'm talking about Matt, Matt Harvey. If he, he apologized to the team, he apologized to the fans, he apologized at nauseam. Um, but he has done that before and apologized, and he 
and made a mistake and, and I'll never do it again and blah, 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 blah uh, to his teammates or whatever. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, I, I've known and I'm pretty sure a lot of Mets fans know that Matt Harvey likes to party. He likes a good time. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a good time, I think, like you stated. But when it's time to work, it's time to work. And um, you can be put up with if you perform. And, and over the last few years, he has not been performing. Either he's not been available due to um, being injured and having major surgery or something like this where he decides that um, partying is more important than, than being a professional baseball player and, live, and, and uh, living up to the obligations that you signed up for when you became a major league player for the New York Mets. He's, I think he's scheduled to pick, pitch tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. He was supposed to pitch on, on um, uh, Sunday, and I think they were going to move him uh, back when he came off a suspension, which was Tuesday, but they decided to hold him off. And I think if I'm not mistaken, he's due to pitch on, um, on, um, Sunday. Let me just see. Let me just make sure I got that right. Uh, the schedule. I think he's due to pitch on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see what I got here. Mets, Mets. I mean, Friday, not Sunday, Friday. Um, and it's supposed to be a bad day Friday. So, yeah, he's due to pitch uh, in Milwaukee on Friday. So I don't know what the weather is like. It's supposed to be uh, pretty bad on Saturday. Uh, the weather is supposed to be decent on on um, uh, uh, Friday. But this is Milwaukee, so I'm not exactly sure what the weather is supposed to be like in Milwaukee. Um, but uh, he's going up against a halfway decent pitcher, Matt Garza. So the two Mets are going to face off against each other. And the Mets are needed in the worst way to um, get quality pitching from their um, vaunted pitching staff that is uh, not vaunted anymore because of all the injuries. Um, Noah Syndergaard. And this is another one. Noah Syndergaard. A few days back, before he pitched and got hurt, they asked him to – uh, uh, submit to an MRI. He refused to get an MRI. Uh, either the day or that next day or the day after, he went out there and he uh, tears tears a muscle, um, and he's be, now he's out for two to three months, if long, if not longer. Unbelievable, unbelievable. I mean, it, it's just a. Uh, uh, um, I had a choice, Jeff. Years back, I know I told you this before, and I'll, I'll tell the listening audience again. Uh, there were three teams, uh, t- there were three uh, New York teams that were my teams, team, teams I was a fan of. One being the Knicks, the other one being the Mets, and the other one being the Jets. Five years ago, I came to the conclusion, going into 2012, 2011, where it was, uh, right after the 1st of January, that one of these teams had to go. I couldn't, I couldn't deal with all the frustration and aggravation these teams were getting, giving me, and one of these teams had to go. Um, the Knicks, the Mets, or the Jets. And the tipping point, otherwise I think I would have left the Mets, um, was when the Jets – decided to sign Tim Tebow. And I'm like, to me, that was the tipping point. Now, I have nothing against Tebow as a person, but as a football player, I don't think so. A quarterback for the Jets, I really don't think so. Um, I can see where their, their mindset and dysfunction was in trying to cash in on a, getting a Tim Tebow and not doing the right thing to um, improve their team. So I decided to let the Jets go as one of my teams that I uh, was a fan of and kept the Mets. Um, 
Now, I, I don't have second thoughts, but I shouldn't. I, I, I don't have second thoughts of dropping the Jets, but I have second thoughts, uh, even though the, the Mets have done pretty well in the last few years, of dropping the Mets due to their dysfunction. But it, this is my dilemma. <laughs> if I do it with the Mets, why not do it with the Knicks? Because the Knicks have been more dysfunctional than the Nets have ever been. Wow. The Mets have yeah. never been. So, um, <laughs> wow. so, so that's my is, dilemma. Wow. Go ahead. Wow, I'll tell you. I mean, if, if for hoops, you know, uh, you might want to go out of town because the Nets are pretty bad also. Now, the New York area is very unique in that there's um, two teams in every sport, three if you count hockey. That's very mm-hmm. unique. But I do notice that, you know, most – there are some people in the middle, but most people do have a preference. Even casual fans do have a preference. Serious fans almost always have a preference. Now, a lot of Met, Met fans are also Jet fans, and they're also Net fans. And I notice I grew up – rooting for the Giants, Yankees, and Knicks. And I've noticed that there's kind of a correlation because also those are the older, more established New York teams. Um, but then, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, it, just because you like the Giants doesn't mean you're obligated to also like the Yankees and the Knicks. Um, and you, you, you can be fans of, uh, let's say, I've met a few fans of the who root for the Giants and the Jets and the thing is they're not in the same conference so they don't play each other very much but uh I'll tell you though the thing is uh, you know the Giants and Jets aren't really rivals I mean they're maybe competing for you know uh top story on the sports page and competing a little for the fans but they're not really rivals but the Knicks and the Nets well back when they both had good teams which was a long time ago they they're in the same division, so that makes them real rivals, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Yankees and Mets are similar to Giants and Jets, you know. They they play each other a few times a year. That's it, you know. Um, they're not in the same division, which it would be amazing if they were. But, like, how did you become uh, uh, a Jets-Mets-Knicks fan? Like, how did that happen, you know, like – I mean, it's not that unique, but, like, why that combination? What's that? How did that combination come about? How did you go with those three teams? Do you remember? Well, they uh, I, I was a big fan back in um, um, uh, uh, high school, if I'm not mistaken, is when I really, really latched on to the Knicks uh, quite nicely with Cassie Russell and, and, and Dick Barnett. I really liked Dick Barnett. Um, uh, Walt Fraser was all right, but uh, I really, I really, for whatever reason, I latched on to Dick Barnett. Um, and uh, uh, Dave DeBusher is one of my favorite players along. Well, all, all those guys, uh, DeBusher, um, Bill Bradley, uh, uh, Cassie Russell. Um, um, oh, my God. What's the center? Oh, my God. Willis I can't, Reed. I can't, Willis, Willis Reed, I'm so sorry. I guess when, yeah. when you were coming um, of age... At, that, yeah, Red the, Ho- the Jets, Red Holzman. Knicks, and, yeah. and, and, and Mets were all super. That that was late '60s, early '70s. So you were a, right. a fetus back then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And and I really I really liked the Mets. I didn't like the Yankees uh, at all. Um, and they stunk uh, back and, then. So. And, 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 yeah, I didn't like the Yankees at all, and I fell in love with the Mets and uh, um, the Jets. Uh, I became a Jet fan in I think it was '60. Uh, 67 67 on uh, the year before they the year before they won the Super Bowl. Um uh, big uh, because of Joe Willie. Big big Joe Willie yeah. fan and have been a diehard Jet fan all that time. But um quite naturally there's been up, ups and downs for all three of those organizations. Um and, and here recently, um except for the Mets World Series appearance and playoff appearances in the last few years, um they've been uh pretty dysfunctional, but I kept with them and they've uh, somewhat proven me uh, uh, to be right about that. The Knicks and the, and the uh, uh, Jets, um, God help me. Um, 
Uh, I don't know how I, I stayed uh, really a Jet fan because the Jet fans uh, uh, were um, really dysfunctional and had some bad coaching moves and were bad personnel. But I stuck with them. I had to, I had to leave three. One of those three I had to go, and, and I had I chose the Jets. Um, I think I chose right because since then they have been nothing but uh, lack of, for lack of a better word. And I'm going to say it, shit. So, uh, and, and um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be, 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 be dealing with a bull and you know what the rest of it is. So um, I, I, had to, I had to let him go. I mean, he just got, be, got to be too much. And I'd rather stick with uh, two bad teams and, and one team that I had a, uh, finish, a, a liking to. And then went all in after I left the Jets was the Houston Texans. So. so that's what it was. That's that's what was the tipping point for me to at one point six years, five six years ago, um, come to the realization: hey, one of these three teams has got to go. Just a matter of who who's going to do the worst to to push me over the edge, and it happened to be the Jets. So it is what it is. And, and I haven't looked back and haven't regretted it. So I've been lambasted by several by people and digged and uh, given backhanded slaps or whatever. But it is what it is. I'm not the first or last longtime fan to finally get fed up and move to another team. So it is what it is. Right. I like it. I think I think it's refreshing because these teams. They they up and move. They do whatever. So why should fan loyalty be a given? You know. So I I I, I kind of like it. You know. So yeah, you know. I, you know, it's not. I, I still think that the 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 hot garbage. They still think they won't fix their dysfunction. It's obvious. Um, it's obvious. It's been obvious for the, the last few years. It's been obvious. Um, uh, I, I have not been proven wrong. So. Um, we'll see what happens going forward. Uh, but um, where I'm at now is in a much better place, and the team that I'm dealing with is in a much better place than the team I left. I left. So it is what it is. Um, all right, Jeff, we got a couple minutes left in the show. Um, is there anything that you want to get off your chest uh, that – I haven't covered or, or that you may want to talk about before we uh, leave. Uh, I don't know. It's been a couple of weeks. So uh, glad to be uh, back on the uh, air and uh, tune in next week. All right, people. Um, Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Vic and I, and maybe Jeff, he, every now and then he drops in there on the FSP show. And uh, we talk about this past week in sports and maybe uh, coming up, uh, things coming up in sports, maybe fantasy, maybe whatever, uh, in NBA basketball. And then on, on, on Sunday is the master plan where I host that show and Jeff at, on occasion jumps in there and uh, we converse uh, about uh, the week in sports or a particular subject. Well, starting in about a week or two, probably this is uh, the eleventh. Uh, um, Sunday will be the fourteenth, um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of uh, May. Probably uh, near the end of May or the beginning of June, we're going to start talking about fantasy um, teams. People are going to start, I wouldn't say gearing up, but um, getting their Mock drafts in because all on these sites the mock drafts are alive and kicking with the new players that have been drafted to these teams, so people are getting an idea on what the mocks look like and what may where, where these players may fall and give an idea or some type of strategy. So I'm gonna be talking about different positions in uh, fantasy, tight end, uh, running backs quarterbacks, wide receivers, and even maybe defenses. Because I think that, that the, the defenses, because a lot of defenses were drafted, 
and, and a lot of different players were drafted in this this past, um, and uh, are going to impact a lot of defenses. And uh, uh, also about fantasy leagues, setups, how they're set up, and thoughts of, of eliminating a position on a roster, an active roster, and fill, fulfilling it with another um, something more inventive. Let me put it that way. We'll be talking about, about that in the coming weeks in the master plan, uh, maybe even on, on the FSP cruise show. You never know. All right, people, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time is where we'll be at next week. Jeff and I holding it down uh, it will be the, uh, the crew. Uh, tune in next week and enjoy the, uh, the, the rest of the week and um, be safe going to play any music i'm just going to drop the mic and get out of here jeff have a good week maybe we'll talk to you over the weekend if not talk to you next thursday see ya